Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to have Bilal Mumtaz here on the mic with us. He is the co-founder of Sehat.com.pk. He is the Digital Health Association General Secretary. And he is also the Lahore Chamber of Commerce and Industry E-Commerce Committee Convener. I hope I've got all of that right. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot more as well, but let's just keep it to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> 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 um, this is a smile, Farooq. As you know, I have with me Dana Nasir Mirza. It's great to have you, Bilal. We've been chatting over Instagram a bit about this. Um, just to like sort of get it right off the bat, what is Sehat.com.pk for people who don't know about it? Sehat.com.pk is clearly a website. It's actually an e-commerce operation uh, whereby one can visit the site or call in to order their medicines for home delivery uh, in close to 300 locations in Pakistan. Right. And I mean sort of that's the, the that's the image you get when you open the website it's very clear and clean and crisp um, very easy to find out which medicines you like where they are and what you're looking for um, but the the main question i think that the increasing question that we also discussed was um, this is sort of a, a new thing in pakistan's pharmaceutical space so to speak i mean a lot of Pakistani people generally view the buying medicines or medication in terms of going to the market, brick and mortar stores and everything. This is sort of a novel idea that's been, for many reasons, it's novel implemented in Pakistan. Why did you move towards the style? Why not just operate out of a regular pharmacy? So that's a very interesting question. And it's important to note that my background or actually more specifically, my family's background has been into brick and mortar pharmacies. Being a part of the Fazaldeen Group, uh, we've been operating in, since 1948 in many different verticals, not just brick-and-mortar pharmacies, but in pharmaceutical manufacturing facilities and medical equipment agencies. So actually, the one person who I can credit to providing the impetus for starting Sayat.com.pk was my father, who himself had 45 years of experience sitting at Fazaldeen and Sons, which is a precursor to the Pharma Plus brand that had been operational since 1948. At one time, there were around nine branches in Lahore, and now it's just cut down to the singular flagship branch on Mallor that opened shortly after Pakistan became a nation. So there was this need for us to contribute further to the group. His true love, though he had expanded in different verticals of healthcare himself and was involved with a few projects on his own, had been with medicines. He had that knack for providing customers with amazing service and by providing them a quality of medicine that couldn't be matched from even a competitor. So he sort of did his research and he realized that, A, the whole world's going to be going online very soon. B, and this was when? Sorry to cut This you was off. 2011 when the okay. parent company of Sehat was formed. Okay. And then he realized that apart from essentially monetary constraints that are associated with creating another chain of pharmacies, which involve costs that normally are involved with uh, running a brick and mortar organization, he saw that an online operation enabled two main things. The two main benefits were the ability to provide products from a one-stop shop so we could invest, and we did actually, in a warehouse where we procure and store those medicines for delivery, and the ability to reach people from all corners of Pakistan, not just Lahore or say Punjab, for example. Fuzzleen Pharma Plus, a sister concern of ours, is all over Punjab, but they haven't made a foray into another province as of yet. And with the final note, like he himself experienced this, sitting at that one shop on Mall Road, that there were customers coming 
from Peshawar, from Karachi, from Hyderabad, from other cities in Punjab, because they didn't have access to quality medicines in their respective areas. And he essentially wanted to continue that, you could say, legacy or that human touch through an online platform. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think uh, when you first, uh, you know, when we first got speaking as well on Instagram, uh, the and you also mentioned this, like COVID is, has been a big uh, part of, you know, kind of the surge that you that you want your business to kind of experience. Uh, but was it a central uh, motive in wanting to go digital? Well, you were saying it traces back to 2011. But did you feel like this was the perfect time or was it always a or or did it really start to spring about this whole concept of sehed.com.pk once you saw you know how the world looked like post 2020 so to speak yeah so the the motivation for anybody to go into healthcare stems from disasters or or, or malfunctions in the system or actually pandemics like uh, covid or certain um, areas in which you know there's a lot of error being made and uh, a lot of basically negative hype around, say, the either the tainting of the supply chain of medicines or the hospital system or general healthcare in in Pakistan. So, what actually prompted us to start this, you know, wasn't particularly linked to a certain um, you know medical disaster. But what happened in 2012 was the WHO actually issued Drug Safety Alert Number 125 on a medicine that was manufactured by Efros Pharmaceuticals, which was a manufacturing brand over here. The the, the drawback or like the, the background behind the story actually was that the Punjab Institute of Cardiology issued a, a, not a notice, but an advertisement to procure that medicine. There was a distribution house that had tainted the supply, supplied it to the hospital. And because of that, a few patients actually ended up dying. And the, the WHO thought it actually fit not to punish either the hospital or the distributor, but the manufacturer. So we saw this as sort of an impetus to, you know, not exactly continue what we had planned, but to make it a point that we would do our level best to procure directly from the manufacturer or an authorized distributor as opposed to just procuring directly from pharmacies or um, other sort of institutions where we saw it convenient to procure. Right. And yeah. I, I think you bring up a good point um, because um, one of my friends recently started a pharmacy. Um, and one of the things that he he saw while conducting a market analysis is that when you go towards the old horse side, there's a, there's a lot of distributors and everyone um, there. Um, the condition or the the sort of mechanisms of those institutions are very flawed in terms of people um the consumers uh, want a sort of discount that these guys are giving them and they don't care whether the medicines have been backdated whether they're expired or whatever whatever is going on so have you made sort of a conscious effort to let people like raise awareness about how you're circumventing these potential issues that are pretty commonplace and people don't even know about them uh, in terms of you know the the medicines that they think are sort of going to make them better but they could have an added risk because of the institutions involved. I think the public needs to know about certain um, issues. At the same time, it doesn't seem quite ethical to badmouth, say, the the practices going on in Lohari market in, 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 in Lahore. And I understand what you mean. In fact, to further build upon that, there are three categories of tainted medicines. They're either fake, 
which means the packaging is formulated and even the medicine is formulated and it represents another brand misleadingly. Either they're adulterated, which means that they there's some mixing of some ingredient over there, or they're spurious, which, like you said, means they're backdated incorrectly or they're shown that they're actually, uh, you know, efficacious and potent where, where, whereby in reality they've actually been expired. So, again, our efforts lie in not trying to spread this message on our own but in collaborating with different pharmaceutical partners all over Pakistan to help them make sure that their medicines are sold through a trusted and reliable source to the right customer at the right time. In fact, if I had to give you another example, there's a particular pneumonia vaccine that's manufactured by one of the biggest brands in the world. They're multinational operating in Pakistan. And they have entrusted that vaccine with us, and we are only one of two other institutions for which that vaccine has been given because they've done their research too. They even know that a regular pharmacy, for example, doesn't go to the effort of actually employing a cold chain fridge. They might have a consumer fridge and the pack of the of the medicine and people now more aware of, you know, vaccine storage conditions because of COVID yeah. and the vaccines coming out is two to eight degrees Celsius. Uh, not just about, you know, procuring like the incorrect equipment for storing that um particular medicine, there's also a huge question mark about these pharmacies and how they can make sure that even in the summer months that regular medicines are maintained properly and they don't lose their efficacy. Right. Um, I'm just curious, like, I I understand the tangent that, you know, you've set up sehir.com.pk on, but I'm curious, like, as your experience as a businessman in the last however long you've been, you know, directly involved on the ground trying to make this work, it's a very simple point bank blank question. Is there an ease to doing business in Pakistan? Do you think from your perspective? Is there? It's a very broad ended question. So like in terms of ease of doing business, I would say that essentially if you did compare ourselves with say other markets in South Asia, I think we do still employ very cheap labor. Um, in terms of ease of managing a business, um, there is a bit of a learning curve for people to work professionally around here especially, you know, as somebody who's definitely part and parcel and owner of Sayyid, I have four elder brothers and we're all involved. Yeah. Uh, even though my uh, duties and responsibilities regarded just business development marketing, I had to get involved in other departments mm-hmm. in the company to make sure things are running smoothly, yeah. as did all of us, actually. Yeah. And um, essentially, when it comes to, um, you know, doing business as a whole, uh, I think things are definitely getting better right now. What the digital age is providing us is more transparency and more access for business opportunities. And that's evident by how we just got our seller center by Amazon approved a few days ago. I know people who have been actually on Amazon over the past four or five years, but just that simple announcement and that uh, those talks with the Ministry of Commerce with Amazon show that, you know, things are probably only going to get better from here on in. Right. And we are making those efforts, right? I know Ajad Labs is enabled Pakistanis to open a PayPal account and certain other payment methods over here exist for the freelancer market. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ease of business, right? It's sort of like maybe conventional business might be out of the window, but I think there's a lot in the pipeline for startups and freelancers and IT professionals in Pakistan. Right. And so the problem with commercial, like you said, conventional businesses in Pakistan is um, certain aspects of bureaucratic overreach and, and, and sort of reg- bad regulation 
um, has caused a lot of hiccups and a lot of uh, um, barriers for people to enter into different markets. I mean, there are a lot of examples. Um, do you think there's a risk? I mean, touch wood, but is there a risk of that sort of happening as the e-commerce or digital space grows as well that you might see that sort of thing where you have eventually end up having a lot of big players who were already there and difficult for smaller players to enter? So it's a very intricate uh, question that you've asked. And ultimately what I can say is that uh, Pakistan has a very unique stance on e-commerce and startups. I think those two words are oftentimes interchangeable because a bulk majority of startups, as you see, do have a very strong online presence. In fact, without that online presence, they would have no justification for doing business. And right, most e-commerce sites do delve themselves as startups because how do they start? They start with a bunch of people operating out of a room or people who want to put funds into a project and have them bootstrap that project till they essentially get uh, funding in. And I think that's where a lot of good organizations, like say, specifically for healthcare, that's where the Digital Health Association comes in place where it needs to figure out, right, whether it needs to correspond directly with the Ministry of Health, Drug Regulatory Authority of Pakistan. Um, right now, an interesting development happened that the PMDC became the PMC. So it's not really uh, the organization that handles dental affairs. It's just for medical affairs and making sure that, right, uh, quackery can essentially be stopped in all its forms. Uh, the Pakistan E-Commerce Consortium, which is another company or actually enterprise like organization or support group that I'm a part of also plans to make it very clear that, you know, support should be given in terms of trainings, in terms of collaborations with other big stakeholders in, in e-commerce. And that's essentially what the lower chamber is. It's a basically an avenue for committees to submit policy changes that can be made at the provincial level to be vetted by the president of the chamber to be forwarded on to the right authorities to come into place. Uh, barriers to entry, right, they naturally do exist in healthcare over here. And having looked at our legislation, I think legislation for the most part over here is written very well. It's just that implementation becomes a very big issue. Apparently what happened was because my sister concerns lie in the medical equipment field, uh, the Drug Regulatory Authority of Pakistan wants to act like the FDA in approving those agencies. But uh, having talked to a few people about how affairs are at the governmental level, I've been told that there's only three people assigned for this project to convince everyone that's selling medical equipment to get a drug license and to regulate that change. Yes, three people. So I think you've hit the nail on its head because I think often the problem with regulation, it sounds great and it has great intentions um, and it's going to do great things. But when it comes to implementation, um, when you have actually, you see what's happening on the ground, either it's very ineffective or it has the opposite effect of what you want it to have. Um, so you also touched on startup and e-commerce um, in Pakistan. Um, that's a very interesting topic and I think you're very well versed in that sort of domain. Um, can you talk us through how e-commerce has developed in Pakistan and its growth in recent years and why it sort of lagged behind um, e-commerce in a lot of other countries over the world? So the State Bank of Pakistan actually has verified data on the number of verified, you could say, e-commerce vendors that exist in Pakistan. It's grown, I'd say, quite tremendously over the past five years. In 2016, there might have been 600. Now there are 1,700. And I do believe that our revenue, our GMV, is somewhere around the tens of billions of rupees. Where it sort of uh, became a unique case for Pakistan was that e-commerce essentially took off 
with the advent of the mobile internet revolution. So I don't know if I mentioned this before, but when we launched Sehit in April 2014, I believe in July or August, was when every single person started to get 4G and 3G on their phones. And that's essentially where we got a huge boost in our business because we got a huge mobile audience. Even now, most of our traffic is done through mobile sessions, not desktop sessions. So essentially over here, that's one essentially main point to keep in mind, that it's a mobile heavy market. Uh, the second thing to keep in mind is that we are still very much reliant on brick and mortar and the EGMV percentage um, that we've calculated is around 0. 0.5 to 0.6%, which means one out of every 200 orders is done at the online level and brick and mortar still dominates. But as time goes by, especially where people are going to be more cognizant of going online and, and pushing that sort of retail front is during a, a pandemic such as COVID where we naturally have seen that a lot of even traditional business have not exactly pivoted, but have created a separate parallel online component of their business. So it's, it's definitely something that I see being on the ascendancy and with the right support, with the right partners, with, um, you know, people who are blessed to be in the same position as I am to help out, we can essentially become a very good IT based market and we can have local talent over here use e-commerce to their advantage not just to seller centers like amazon but maybe creating a native platform that can complete on the global scale yeah yeah i think we've got it i think we've got that local platform and you know um ismail asked some very intricate questions as you as you can tell very like cutting edge questions okay. i'm more of a layman i would really want to ask you about things that you know when i knew you were coming in i immediately wanted to ask you which was about homeopathic medication i think pakistan is uh very is one of those you know economies is one of those countries one of those society like our societies are those which do believe in herbal medication homeopathic medication i can't even tell you the difference between those two things right uh but we do to a very large extent think that those are all alternative legitimate forms of medication to the conventional mainstream some would say western medication there's a lot to unpack in this subject obviously the uh, the nuances surrounding why people might have a mistrust towards western medication as opposed to or and vice versa and also the efficacy and the legitimacy of homeopathic medication in comparison to uh, i know that i should maybe be asking it's this a very me. very good question yeah uh, but what do you and can i find my daily homeopathic needs fulfilled on sehat and if not why not like i really want to know well you can um what happened in 2015 was uh, a legislation was passed by drap to regulate uh, not just homeopathic and herbal but Yunani and Ayurvedic medicines. I don't know if you can distinguish between not all at all. Four, <laughs> but Yunani is like a Hakim Khan over here. Right. That's not herbal or homeopathic. Right. Homeopathy requires a degree. Uh, you know, someone to practice it requires a degree in that particular subject. And essentially, what that implies is that a single molecule, say, as opposed to an efficacious tablet, can have the same effect on your body. And the selling point behind the homeopathy is virtually there's no side effects behind it. Yeah. It's like you get the feeling after you go visit a homeopath that you're given a placebo because what does he do? He, he takes a solution and he just puts like a drop or two drops on like a small tube of maybe like a hundred mini tablets. And then he'll and tell they you. Tastes great. <laughs> Sugary. <Yes. laughs> like my breakfast cereal. So I'd rather have that over Panadol. Frosties, they're great. 
<laughs> but yeah, you were saying. Oh, man. So um, essentially, you can get homeopathic medicines on say it because they have been reg- uh, you know regulated by the proper authorities. It is the responsibility of the people making those homeopathic medicines to register themselves with their channel. And we're essentially the retail arm of anybody who wants to sell. And I think uh, the main question that you wanted to ask was why is there a lot of mistrust um, uh, among, you know, um, Western, you know, medicine brands or uh, solutions? I'd say that it has to do with the fact that there's a level of trust uh, between, say, the, the layman over here who might not come from Lahore, but who might come from the outskirts and the Hakim Khana, because he employs a practice that's been going on for hundreds of years. They've got particular formulas that they know work, especially say, for example, someone wants to take Shilajit, yeah. for example, for yeah. knee pain. Yeah. You know, there's there's definitely uh, proven results behind it. And there's also, I think, that level of human interaction between the uh, Hakim, Hakim and the, the patient. Yeah. So, as, and it's a part of our culture, essentially, for certain things, especially when it comes to an enhancement or fatigue, or uh, certain you know ailments to resort to taking um, you know uh, Yunani or herbal or homeopathic or even multivitamins as opposed to traditional medicines. Right. And when you come to think about it, right, the the, the Facebook market for multivitamins in Pakistan is quite big actually, and it's dominated by you could say non-pharmaceutical brands. So it's actually dominated by brands that are just making multivitamins because you know. Uh, that actually, um, from a from a professional, or you could say, the actual uh, li- uh, you know nomenclature in in question gets termed as nutraceuticals, yeah. creating multivitamins. And pharma plants have to create a separate nutraceutical division and another plant yeah. to get into nutraceuticals. Okay. And so that's also something that's quite encouraging, right? That uh, the, there's a huge nutraceutical market out there on social media that's being sold, and even these people employ their own websites. And pharma is only just a portion of it the majority is dominated by people who are just doing that and yeah. either importing like the drugs from ab- abroad and packaging them or importing the raw material and then yeah. finalizing it or or making it from scratch over here yeah i so, i saw like i don't know if this exactly counts as what you're talking about but we all know who vaseem badami is Correct. Yes, Badami. Yes. Yeah, what a guy. What a character. Um, Have you seen the page Vaseem Badami in unusual places? Yeah, I love that. Play. I love He's that everywhere. page. So they just like crop him into Photoshop him into like Different, the most random sorts of things. things. He's like winning the World Cup as Messi or uh, sorry, Messi's never won the World Cup. My bad. Oh, Zing. He's, He's never Messi even fan. won the Copa America. Yeah, so it's okay. <laughs> He's the biggest Messi fan right here. All right, screw you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Vaseem Badami started his own. Uh, I don't know. Was it a herbal medication brand or something? Like I, I work at Packages Mall, so I was just like going to the mall one day, and I just saw this advertisement, and it's like her, like it, it, it advertises itself as you know, like herbal medication, homeo- homeopathy, as you said, all of that. Um, and I just saw Vasim Adami's face, and I'm like, what does he do? You know, related to this, or you know, a lot of people do tend to uh, associate themselves with these kind of brands because they know they'll sell, because they know there's a market for it, because um, they know, like, you know, even the Western alternatives do. Like, a lot of people tell me that Body Shop is has a lot of the things that you can find at Vasim Badami's shop. <laughs> Which makes me think like, yo, that's a good local substitute. And that's a good way to cross sell, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you if, if I even talk about the research I did in the beginning. So I had a look at all of our pharmaceutical manufacturers and I was just comparing their website traffic to ours. Now, naturally, we should be beating all of them in traffic. And there was one supplier of ours that actually beat us in the, the amount of hits or sessions they go on a daily basis. And it was this Dawa Khan out of Karachi. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Whoa. So they were selling Online. us their pro- Yeah, they were selling us their products and they also had their own e-commerce site. Wow. It's doing very, very well. Wow. Oh, no, there we go. Omar Fussy. Yeah, this has been happening for a while, ladies and gentlemen. If we've got away from you, I think your mic's it is bored, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> I like, I enough of this. <laughs> no, I think Omar Fussy is getting a great arm workout in today. Uh, we always have a technical difficulty on the podcast. It, it's not a podcast it's without one. This time, Omar has been holding the tripod uh, for Bilal. It's nice. Uh, but don't worry. It's a very yeah, so, from home setup. This happens all the time. Oh, it's very, very yeah. comforting. I'm, I'm happier. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you like this it. This is like my college dorm, actually, <laughs> if I were to be very frank. This is the vibe. I get. finally understand. College dorm vibe. We are the college dorm vibe. Thank That's, you, Bilal. We're, 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 we're 25 to... now. I think we should <laughs> sort of move away from that. Yeah. I mean, oops. Time to, you know. It's up of, to you. Yeah, yeah, move I, on from college, man. Yeah, so, so. I mean, you mentioned uh, that obviously you have certain so homeop- like homeopathic medicines have been re- regulated and uh, people who want to sell them can do so on sehat so that just makes me want to ask what exactly is the business model so is it sort of like you selling your own medicines um, or is it like an Amazon for medicines where other people can come on the platform and use it to sell their medicines so it's neither basically it's the fact that we don't really operate on a marketplace model we encourage other suppliers to list their medicines or products on our website, but we make sure that their sales tax registered and if they're selling medicines that they've got drug licenses and that their products also have been registered with the relevant authorities. And our model is simply the fact that we stock beforehand or we try our best to. And then we have basically an ERP that we've developed that shows or like is reflective of like the e-commerce ordering process where somebody orders and then we know in the system that, you know, it gets barcoded and scanned, you know, when it's put in the warehouse, when it goes to processing, even when it gets packaged, it's scanned again and it's dispatched to our external courier partners. So essentially our model is that of like a, a stockist, you could say, that then basically is collaborative with all these different, you know, stakeholders in the e-commerce ordering process, like the payment partners and the logistic partners. And then we deliver straight to the customer uh, through, you know, the e-commerce site or the call center. Right. And how many, how many locations have you sort of expanded into? Because obviously you mentioned at the start of the podcast that a law, uh, one of the main problems is that rural areas or access um unfortunately there are places in pakistan where you don't even have proper access to internet but obviously you can't do much there right now but how 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 much of an impact has your far-reaching delivery network had all right so basically uh the courier partners do a good job in this regard because they deliver not only to other cities but gaos and chucks so we cover around 300 different locations within pakistan and if i were to actually have you play a guessing game how many Cities, do you think we've delivered to um, in our lifetime? Uh, uh, I really want to play this game, though. <laughs> like, I so love if, guessing. If, games. if it's three hundred <laughs> locations, then yeah. it must mean that the cities are less than three hundred. Mm, Obviously, give us any hints, or are we just gonna? I th- okay. I, uh, just just go for it. I mean, okay. Two fifty? Uh, no, don't guess so high, so that we can actually, you know, guess lower. Uh, one eighty-five. Fifty. 185. 50, 185. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. went low. Uh, um, your previous guess was actually much closer. It's 267. <laughs> Whoa. See? 267 and, or 300. Yeah. And Yo, we delivered to around lot. 110 every month. So that is where we got our validation that, yes, there is a demand for the products that we supply. And there are people out there in Pakistan 
who are capable of ordering medicines and were capable of saying being interacting with an e-commerce site and and one important thing i i think especially in the space that you're operating in is to sort of convert um i don't think i don't know if that's the right word but change the mindset of people so that they recognize that medicines can be like bought from that sort of online space and this is a proper avenue so i think one way to judge that why maybe i might be wrong is how many returning customers do you have um and what's the churn rate um yeah so so how how's that been like do you see a lot of returning customers yeah around uh, 40% that's great returning actually yeah and have you do you like in this quest to kind of uh, bridge the gap of access to medication in uh you know places where normally people can't get this kind of medication do you what what was some of the biggest uh, hurdles that you faced you think in not just in terms of like the logistics of course that's important too of just getting it there uh but apart from that like stuff like i'm sure since you said you're a bdm marketing guy uh business development marketing is bdm right i no? don't know. i don't know maybe he's the right guy to ask <laughs> yeah i I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be bd is bd basically yeah and then the m is marketing correct yeah. okay just want to clarify okay bdm so was there a challenge when it came to marketing or convincing people so to speak that you know this is the and if if there was what was specifically that challenge and how did you tackle it so when we started off um we essentially created a system that was modeled off um and you know an oracle erp it was a white label software that we created and we had only set it up for um prepayments we didn't figure out how to implement cash on delivery in that software because the way we set up the project was so intricate that right there's certain divisions and certain processes behind the ordering process like once a medicine gets ordered everything has to be checked so the way we did that was i had to actually sit with my team for 2 weeks to create that voucher in the system to allow for cod to happen and then what we later found out is that in lahore people weren't willing to wait a day because we were used to doing overnight delivery yeah. so then we had to essentially find a local partner to do same day deliveries to the end consumer and that obviously naturally increased our sales and then essentially when we were trying to partner with different institutions or companies or even when it came to patients who saw you know online that there were other competitors in the market that were offering them huge and hefty discounts that we weren't able to offer we simply would play not exactly a game with them but use our strength of authenticity and being a reputed name in in pharmaceuticals for so long to say that we can actually guarantee you that our medicines are authentic we can show you that we stock them for one and we 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 have that guarantee and that agreement with the manufacturer that's coming from a very reliable source and you know there's even customers right now who might have ordered for the fifth or sixth time that might ask for say extra discount yeah. and we we haven't given them yet but they still keep ordering so that means yeah. that they're finding something reliable about the system yeah. the trust is still intact you you you, know? you talked about cod um that sort of got me thinking about one of the biggest problems uh, one of the biggest hurdles that has um been in place in pakistan for for long time um has been um the banking system and the credit and debit card sort of take up rate um you see a lot of uh, online um payment systems operating everywhere in the US and the west where people don't even carry that much cash around anymore it's all through their cards um we don't see a lot of that here there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, hurdles that go into sort of people allowing well, being allowed to make credit or debit card sort of weird rules and regulations that 
sort of uh, especially against women that they have to show like three male witnesses or something of the sort um in a lot of banks which make no sense so wh- how do you think that hurdle can be solved it, it can do you see uh sort of in the next 4 5 years pakistani taking a more of an online payment space because that is obviously going to be a direct boost to businesses like yourselves and the e-commerce space in pakistan so we're seeing initiatives happen in that regard uh there's a huge group that is behind pepsi in pakistan called the um you know akhtar few group which is a collaboration between them and a chinese company and they're developing a digital wallet sada pay is also developing yes. like a card that has zero transaction fees every single bank out there regardless of how unknown they were is now has now implemented internet banking because of the covid pandemic because they realize it's very hard for people to even go into bank branches and uh we're seeing an even bigger rise in easy pass and jazz cash usage because they're also planning to create their own shops that are you know beautifully linked with their wallets so essentially i do you know see that happening even now even with sayeth right since day 1 COD has not been uh you know the most dominant payment method of ours like it's still less than 50% really yes what is the uh, most dominant it is it is still the most dominant yeah, but okay. not my stack majority okay okay yeah it's right. then yeah. like you know credit card and easy pass and it's like yeah. around eight or nine payment methods that we yeah. have yeah okay so it is changing in in the right direction for e-commerce businesses and everything to flourish yeah definitely definitely even if i look at the spp data um I guess the reliance has become much less on COD now. So now it's at around seventy percent, whereas five years ago it was ninety plus. Yeah, I think one so, of the re- reasons for that, sorry to cut you off, is that people have started to gain more trust in e-commerce as a whole. Um, whereby first they were like, if we pay first and हमारे साथ कोई धोखा हो जाए या कोई फ्रॉड हो जाए तो क्या होगा या लॉर्ड पीपल इवन राइट नाउ यू नो इट्स काइंड ऑफ अ जोक बट देयर लाइक डोंट पे ऑनलाइन ऑन फूड पैंडा वो फिर आपको ऑर्डर नहीं देते कैंसिल हो जाता है होता भी है या आई मीन सम स्टफ लाइक दैट करीम के साथ भी है कि राइडर्स रिफ्यूज करते हैं आपके राइड को अगर आपने क्रेडिट कार्ड के साथ किया है उमर फसी गॉट चार्ज 1900 रुपीस लास्ट नाइट टू गो 15 मिनट्स फ्रॉम हियर बाय राइडर दैट वाज 33 मिनट्स अवे Thankfully, he got his transaction back immediately. But if that happens to somebody else, I'm like, I'm never using Kareem again. They charge me nineteen hundred yeah. for a ride I didn't so take. So, Lahore <laughs> Chamber of Commerce and Industry, you're obviously the e-commerce committee convener. What, what exactly? So you sort of alluded to what the LCCI does. What exactly is your role there, and how 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 have you been, you know, working in this space uh, in that regard? So this is the first year that they've actually created a committee. And if I were to be very blunt, there really hasn't been. any work done so far because of the pandemic it's hard for people to come to the chamber for one and in general the the basically standing committees have been assigned uh haven't had an incentive to be active right now i th- what happened around a week ago is a notice was actually given by the president that um the standing committee should be active and there are certain time slots that they can use to use the facility at the lcci to hold these meetings So it's something that I'm looking forward to a lot. I'm still in the stages of formulating the committee and I know that there are certain, you know, elements such as digital governance, such as payment methods, such as logistics, such as tech infrastructure, such as um supply chain and uh um e-tail. There's essentially nine pillars of uh e-commerce that essentially were conveyed to me by Badr Khushnud who as you know is uh someone who's been involved quite a bit with Pasha Pakistan Software House Association and someone who runs a very big digital marketing and tech agency called Bramers over here so he's something that someone has helped me out quite a bit in learning about this initiative and um 
that 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 you know goes without saying that you know if you want to do something big you obviously have to learn from the masters yeah so course. still in that stage and hopefully within i'd say a couple of weeks or three weeks i'll actually start getting the ball rolling over there and what do you hope to sort of do in the next um, sort of the the first few phases of uh, you know the committee starting because obviously it's pretty new in terms of its formation hmm. so i i'd like to sort of uh, have certain policies passed whereby taxation can be you know lax on startups right now there still is a heavy revenue tax that needs to be paid even if a startup sorry to cut you off there was this uh, post i saw on twitter where there was some sort of talk going on about taxing people who um uh, freelancers basically who sort of get their money from outside companies and and there was a lot of uh, uproar about how we shouldn't really disincentivize or or make it harder for them and rather we want these people to sort of engage more in these sort of activities so i think you're talking about the same sort of uh, principle so i'm sure from principle so right now you know uh, startups have to pay uh, a revenue tax which is something they will pay if you know if they're making a loss normally startups were given at the beginning startups were given a tax holiday it firms had to pay an internet tax of uh, 19% so policies you know that have to be um, passed now include basically the way startups are taxed the way essentially freelancers are using e-commerce have to declare withholding tax for transactions it has to do with the fact that logistic companies have to be put on board like if there's a pandemic and they shut down then that means a lot maybe 80 or 90% of e-commerce uh, companies are going to suffer greatly as a result um i think like you know especially in terms of on that note when it comes to reconciliation between logistics companies e-commerce sites there has to be some sort of escrow in place there's no delay in them giving money back to the vendor if cod is involved so these are just some of the ideas off the top of my head there's a lot more that i'm willing to learn from other people and i want to essentially be that that voice for them that's, that's great that, that's absolutely great i think uh, this is sort of towards the end of the podcast what we do is we have sort of a short window okay. where we leave it to you the last segment the last segment is very particular about this <laughs> last segment of the podcast where we sort of give you your sort of space and time to do whatever you want say whatever you want um the floor is yours thank you so i'm really really happy that both of you called me here on a Our saturday pleasure. Pleasure. yeah i know it's a sabbath for a lot of people but <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> hey this is the only time we get as like people who have work and stuff saturday yeah. is like the best day to but we love to have you here i just yeah. want to say this is an absolute pleasure you're very yeah. soothing on the ears i'm sorry this is supposed to be his last this segment this is uh, uh, yeah. going <laughs> but like um but like as somebody who's essentially been here in the startup ecosystem for the past 7 years i think it's very important to keep in mind that we're now entering a very unique phase where you have mentors who have actually worked on startups for a very significant amount of time before not to you know point figures at anyone that wasn't really the case there was a huge uh, element of rigidness when it came to incubation centers and acceleration centers and even in general mentorship that was being offered to startups at the time and i just want uh, the entire startup community of pakistan to remember that um sometimes acknowledging your weakness can be your biggest strength and sometimes your weaknesses also can be manifested in the strengths by you realizing that success isn't something that you should even do on your own you will always need support whether it's advice whether it's it's a friend motivating you whether it's somebody you think you collaborate with because you guys have good synergies and and good skill sets 
having that said right i had a choice to just be involved in e-commerce running an online pharmacy and i had that choice to stay on abroad when i graduated but i wanted to come back i wanted to make an impact for pakistan and my people and i wanted to make sure that we can finally become the great nation that our founder qadiyazam wanted us to be and we can finally do that given that we have the talent we have the numbers for internet usage we just need to improve our digital literacy and we need everybody to support our vision of becoming a more digitally connected and more fruitful pakistan so that's that's basically my my two Came cents about this whole yeah. uh, session and honestly uh that's that's brilliant we need more people like you it goes without saying we need more people like you in this country and i'm really really glad you're doing what you're doing for those of you who are watching who are curious how you can experience uh everything that we have been talking about uh go to w if i butcher this i'm sorry www.sehat.com.pk get all your me- i know for sure i'm going to get my next batch of medicine from sehat.com.pk and i have a lot of medication that i need to take so go check it out for yourself as well give bilal a follow all of those links are in the description below at the video uh leave a nice comment and please uh tell us and smile take it away please yeah i mean that you've said everything <laughs> i could have said but yeah it's been an absolute pleasure having you on um and obviously yeah uh, we'll definitely be checking out sehat for our medication needs and everyone else you better do the same um you this better. has been on the mic with blal muntaz until next time take it easy and keep it tight